to our daily gun show come to you live every weeknight at midnight eastern and we talk about guns for an hour or so uh tonight we got uh woods jumping in from washington thanks for jumping in yeah thanks for having me g you bet and we got some other links out there on the gun channel side if anybody wants to join in maybe it's because it's a boring night we're not wanting to talk two-way subjects maybe it's because they're scared we don't know but there are some links out there see if anybody else joins us tonight this is a panel discussion for the most part. We uh, invite people in who uh, have interest and knowledge on different aspects of firearms, and we chat about topics that aren't necessarily led by the news of the day. Uh, we do have a couple of themes uh, that we run on various days of the week. On Tuesdays, we talk about our Second Amendment, Second Amendment Tuesday. We host this show over on... Uh, YouTube, just because I'm lazy. Eventually, it'll be over on GunTube.org, and then we simulcast it over on GunChannels.com, which is a community. It's focused on firearms, and a bunch of people over there interested in keeping conversations on guns going, interested in being Second Amendment uh, advocates and activists. So uh, we're watching the chat from the people that are joining us over there, and occasionally we jump over and look at the YouTube chat, and uh, tonight we're talking about a couple of things. One is, well, you had a topic we were going to talk about comparing uh, the, well, the guess, gun laws in general of like Canada or Australia to the United States. So we'll chat a bit about that. And then uh, I'm getting ready to uh, chat with some of the people from AMCON, the Second Amendment media workshop that happened the day before the gun rights policy conference up in Chicago a couple of months ago, well, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, since we're going to be chatting with them, I was trying to get my notes together from that event. So I figured since it's been, I guess it's been two months uh, since then, uh, it's probably a good time to go back and uh, focus on it. And I'm tidying up my notes. So we're going to do two birds with one stone there. We'll take a look at uh, state of the state tonight of Arizona since Arizona just switched uh, to a Democrat senator. A lot of people rest easy thinking Arizona is a bastion of gun owners' rights, and unfortunately we're not. And uh, then we'll talk about some other stuff. So before we dig in, uh, Woods, do you have anything you want to chat about? Um, just that, that research I was looking up today, but uh, we can do that whenever you want to. Right on. So again, we'll uh, be watching the chats out there. This is always an effort, not in bringing the reading show and putting it on the internet. And we're certainly not trying to become famous or anything. Simply trying to have a conversation, and that involves other people. So if you're out there and you're watching live, then be part of the conversation. And uh, yeah, let's dig right in. So uh, you were doing a little bit of research. You said I would need to tell people. You can tell them what happened. Um, so I. 
I was hearing a bunch of people talk to me about how, you know, gun laws work in Australia and Canada. And it dawned on me, you know, that even the um, anti-gunners, they just take that as, as, as gospel. And I'm, a, I'm all about research. I've done a lot of learning how research really works in my life. So I started to look into that and like, is there peer-reviewed journals that say one way or the other? Because peer-reviewed journals, how they work is you work, you work on an article, you know, and then you submit it. And then those people tear it apart and they may submit it back and it might go back and forth. But it's got to have some really good research in it to even make it into the journal. So yeah. when we're talking about research and a paper and stuff, we're talking like a theory, basically. Somebody's got a concept and they think, I think food tastes better with butter on it. And then they come up with a way to figure out how to figure that out, right? And then other people scrutinized their data or their collection of information and then their uh, interpretation of it. And once it's validated by multiple people who have you know, little or no interest in the topic, right? But that can say, this is good math or this is good research. That's what you're talking about? Yeah, correct. Um, let's see if I can figure out how to do the first one here. Well, first of all, I ran into this first article. Make sure I got the right one. Sorry. Yeah, that's Gary Mauser. And uh, I ran into this cat that uh, his name is Gary Mauser. Um, let me see if I can figure out how to screen share and see if I do it right. Is it true that because his name is Mauser, his information is going to be more accurate? <laughs> Maybe. Well, let's see if I do this right. It's the green one or the blue one there, G? I don't see anything right now. Okay. So let's see. Okay, that's the one. All right. And share. The peer-reviewed journals that accepted articles like why dog parks prove rape culture. Right. It, did I do it right? Now we're seeing President Gary Mauser or something. I'll lock on your screen. Okay. So Professor Mauser... Um, so he's, you know, pretty smart guy, PhD from California at Irvine. He has dual citizenship. Um, he's his area of focus is actually in firearms in firearms research. Is he into the Mauser family? Um, that I don't know, um, but I saw that he was cited in a bunch of the other articles I was reading. So I always go to the whenever I read anything, I go one of the first things I do is I go to the uh to the work cited and see how many like other people have cited that particular person and he's pretty well pretty well thought of in the uh, research community um and then here's the actual article let me go up to the top here um so this was a preliminary evaluation of the just the long gun registry so from you know from at 2012 they had the big thing where they were going to quit registering long guns and in reading that over, sorry to make everybody watch me scroll. One of the parts that I found that was super interesting to not bore everybody with every little bit of this. He has some research questions. Um, I thought it was really interesting that um, the one way to visually evaluate Canadian gun laws compared the Canadian to the United States. It's difficult to argue that Canadian gun laws were effective when homicide rates dropped faster in the United States over the same period from 91 to 2012. And here's, um, can you see the, the chart there? Yes, yes. Okay, so um, USA is the red. So we actually dropped more. And now if you think about 
um, when our gun ban ended, right? So, or the 94 ban ended in 2004, it still went down. And it went down more than Canada, who had stricter gun laws. So I thought that was super interesting. So I'm still like trying to research some of it, but I thought that was a super interesting uh, piece that um, gun laws aren't in fact working in Canada. And here's, here's something that shows that. You ready for the other, the next article? Okay. Okay. So the next article we go to, um, and this is how, whenever I've done research, this is like the sage um, this is the Journal of Interpersonal Violence, and this is where a lot of those were. And that's an international journal. So fire, ho fire and homicide in Australia, Canada, and New Zealand. What can we learn from long-term international comparisons? And the one I thought was interesting, i got to find it again here, is, and I just had it. Bear with me. Come on. I know dead air is bad. Of course, I had to go up. Didn't, didn't. Oh, there it is right there. The majority of firearms used to commit homicide in Canada and Australia are not legally owned. More than 80% of firearm homicides in Canada, according to these people. And now I, I wanted to pull these two articles, but I didn't have my ProQuest going on. And you have to like be part of this organization in order to read that article. But even to be in this in this journal, somebody would have tore it apart if those weren't true. So I'm not exactly sure about that claim, but I'm 95% sure that this claim is true. The more than 80% of homicides in Canada and more than 90% of firearm homicides in Australia were committed by persons using at least illicitly owned firearms. So once again, even in Canada, even in Australia, if you limit the, the lawful people with their firearms, that isn't going to do jack because here's, here's some, Here's some data that shows that it doesn't matter because the bad guys, bad girls, are going to go ahead and get firearms anyway, even in places where they've restricted firearms way more than they do here. I like to look at the populations. So Australia, population, 24 million people, 25 if you want to be generous. Canada, population, 37 million if you want to be generous. United States, 300 million, if you want to be conservative. So 330, if you want to be generous. So Canada, barely a 10% of our population, something like twice the amount of land mass, probably a third or a half the amount of land mass, mass practically. Um, I don't know if you know offhand what the population of New York is. 10 million, maybe? 15? The population of just the city is 8 million. Uh, but let's see what the population in LA. I thought we saw the population in Los Angeles was. Uh, it's about population. Uh, it's 4 million. So what do we say? The uh, population of Australia is 24. Population of California, let's say. California's got to have more, right? That's what I'm thinking. Well, more like 30? 
population in California. There we go. Yeah, 40. So the population of Australia is less than the population of California. Population of California is comparable to the population of Canada. California is not even as big as Canada. So anyway, obviously, there's more ways than one that their suggestion that um, the what we're comparable or that there's some analogy between what they've done and anything that would happen here is crazy. Um, then look at the population makeups of the countries. Uh, I haven't seen, you ever looked at a CIA fact book, CIA world? Yeah, I, I'm aware of what it is. Yeah. We used to use it all the time when I was in uh, school because I took a couple of history classes where I used it a lot. So but, I don't know if they have or a thing where you can compare a couple of different countries, but I'd be curious to see a couple of countries uh, compared head-to-head uh, -head and with um, either our country or even a chunk of our country to try to put it in perspective, you know, as far as, like, uh, the Like Australia only, only compares to maybe Maine and Connecticut as far as their same demographics. Oh, I don't know. But yeah, just in, in what ways they compare. And then I guess I was going to say the way that their violence compares and then the way that their uh, population makeup compares. You know, we're the melting pot. We are a different country than a lot of other countries where, um, you know, we have a bunch of people that have immigrated to here and then a lot of, you know, melting of the pots. So there's a whole bunch of different stuff happening here in the United States that dynamics, I guess, neighborhoods, um, regions, there's all kinds of stuff happening here. We're a big physical country compared to the countries they like to focus on. They'll, they'll use England, for example. That's right, tiny right. little town size of a state of ours. Even like we're saying, Australia and Canada, sure, they're huge countries, but they're predominantly homogeneous uh, as far as their... Um, you know, makeup or whatever. I mean, Canada is basically a bunch of English people, you know, right, right. Australia is basically also a bunch of English people, right? Like, you know, they, so they're, they're trying to compare different things. They don't have uh, the same governments and stuff. They don't have the same uh, punishments or crimes and stuff. So, uh, yeah, lots of different ways that. And, and, and when you rounded up all the guns in, say, Australia, what did they? I was reading something. They they rounded up about eight hundred thousand guns out of the one point five million that are there. We have what four hundred times that amount of guns, so that Pandora can't go back in the box, even if they wanted it to. Dilusia. Hey, midnight. I'm trying to read too much at the same time. What's going on, buddy? What's going on, G? So we've been talking about comparing uh, crazy gun, I guess you'd call them restrictions, registrations, uh, confiscations in Canada and Australia to the United States. And what kind of started it was uh, you hear the claim all the time that, uh, you know, gun laws work in, in in those countries. So I wanted to look up whether they're actually working according to actual empirical data. And I found that that's not true. At least two articles. And I'm still looking. 
like 90 like the one i just showed 90 percent of uh homicides in uh, firearm homicides in australia alone and 90 percent of them are illicitly owned firearms another interesting <clears throat> another interesting kind of thing to do to look up too is um deaths how how fatal stabbings are versus how fatal shootings are because when you start looking at some countries like england with with the, the the amount of trouble they're having with stabbings um a stab is nasty man a, a knife wound is is terrible um not that you want to get shot but i'll tell you what like if you've ever seen anybody get stabbed man the blood loss from a stabbing can be huge in a really small amount of time be kind of interesting to see too like how many people are dying from attacks um in knives versus guns you know a lot of people survive gun attacks or gunshots i should say i know that's kind of a weird thing to try and compare like you it seems a little morbid or whatever but um a lot of people survive gun uh, you know uh, being shot where a lot of people die from knife attacks well, and I also like to, like G was saying, bringing up the different populations of those countries compared to our po population, you have a thing called a threat to external validity. So that claim can't apply here because we're so different. You can compare them. You might be able to compare them. You can compare them to each other. You could compare Australia to England because they've got a very, they've got a whole bunch of similarities. But comparing it to us is completely ludicrous. Yeah. But that's just something I I had a I had one of my a really well-meaning person you know try to you know have a good discussion. It was you know I'm trying to have better discussions and not debates, and that's what she left me with. Well, you know they work there, and then I usually go you know one point, and then I make a point, and then I let them go back, and then I kind of just like move on with my day, you know, because yeah. I don't want to have this. Uh, you know, I want to have a I want to have a thousand different conversations and not one that's going to make them go wow. So that made me look up the actual data on it. They make that claim all the time. The claim's not true. That they don't work in, in those places. When you're looking at per capita, basically, is what you're saying. You're looking at. Well, I just looked up just looked up the uh, just the stats from the couple of researchers that had done peer-reviewed journal research in that field. That's their field. Like their PhD is mm -hmm. looking into gun violence, and they're saying no. They're saying it's it it's not correlated to it. Because those were correlational studies and not causal studies because there's no experimental design in that. There's no control group, so we can't make a claim that this proves anything. Because science, science never proved anything. It disproves things all the time. Well, you said when they – I didn't hear the number. When you said they, they confiscated guns in Australia, they got 50, about 50%? Yeah, something like that. And there's no of, way there's no way they would even get close to 50 percent in the united states anyway yeah so they could round them all up and what did they get if they got we have 400 million guns and they got 100 million guns we still have 300 million guns yeah you know like it's, and now like, and now what's scary is all of those guns are illegal and that changes the game immensely yeah, so I mean that's one of those ones where it's kind of that Pandora's box. Like as much as they would love to do that, they're never going to be able to put that Pandora back in the box. I also think there's a cultural piece. Both of those countries bent the bent the knee to the queen. Mm -hmm. We said we said nah, sorry, bro, <laughs> we're not doing that. <laughs> and um, we 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 have a different culture. We've had a gun culture for 
you know, they're part of, you know, 250 years now, you know, or longer. Did you guys, did you guys see in Baltimore where that, that guy was killed by the police that were trying to uh, confiscate his weapons? Red flag law, quote unquote. I, I Hold on a second. My cat's being weird. Uh, um, I did read a little bit about it, but I didn't read enough to make any kind of judgment about it. Um, it was it was very early on the other day when I was when I was looking into it, and um, uh, it it seems like um, it's kind of the exactly what many people are worried about, where a, a family member um, a family member you know called and wanted his guns confiscated, and the rest of the family afterwards said we 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 don't agree with that um we don't know why she sent the cops over there and you know he ended up dead now i don't know enough of the story like you said i don't know enough of the story um i've only read a couple of quotes from um some his niece i believe but um yeah it's I, sad i could be 100 percent wrong in this but i do remember reading that the cops told him to put the gun down and he did and then later he picked the gun back up and that's that seems like a problem if the cops are at your house is even mm -hmm. unjust and you're going to pick the gun back up yeah that's probably going to end badly for you so not that he shouldn't oh, sure that's a bad decision and you know if they say to stop you should probably stop mm -hmm. no i agree you know but I can see getting pretty irate, you know, but, you know, you can't be touching that gun when they're going to tell you not to touch the gun. But I agree. They probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. They should get some kind of due process of law. And, you know, that person that wants the guns confiscated could go to go to court and say, hey, this guy's, you know, got a problem. And then they would have to show actual evidence. Yeah. Yeah, there's. um you're talking about second amendment there's i'm in pennsylvania there's um a proposed bill uh 2669 also that's a real mess i don't think it'll ever go through but that's uh, pro trying to disallow anybody from carrying in a motorized vehicle fight the hell against it i didn't think 1639 yeah. would win and it did yeah yeah i, I uh there's something else too. Black Cat had was talking about Stealth Hunter was talking about it on Black Cats, but I didn't get a chance to watch it yet, so I'm not sure what it is. But I know after 1639, like um, now that you mentioned that one, um, I'm going to take uh, you know 10 minutes a week and look around and see where I can be. Like so, Pennsylvania, I'll look up the law and I'm going to call you know Congress people there and say, hey, don't do that. It's a bad idea. And, you know, try to figure out if I know anybody, and nobody, know anybody in Pennsylvania other than you and have them call. Mm -hmm. and, and like, like if you could do the same when it's Washington and then like we all both do it for California and like, you know, because then 1639, we got like we got hang out to dry because like I didn't even re realize it until G told me we were the only um, straight up gun thing on the anywhere in the midterm. Hmm. We seems like we should have rallied Any, a lot better. And let's get back to what, what this whole show is about tonight: is the the two A media conference at the Gun Rights Policy Conference, the two A media summit at the Gun Rights Policy Conference. So the two A media gets together. These are people that are going to cover the Gun Rights Policy Conference. So dry, boring policy, you know, nothing flashy, nothing fancy. 
uh, no, uh, you know, nothing that's going to draw a big audience. It's the kind of stuff that we, uh, you know, end up having to bring audiences to. Sometimes kicking and screaming to create uh, archives of the status of our fight and our where we're at, so that when we have real discussions, you know, we have data that's available. And so that, you know, people can get together and do stuff. So it's a necessary thing, but it's, it's you know, it's dry and it's boring. Um, so well, we, we show up there and, you know, we get, it, it is what it was. But what we didn't, what didn't happen is we weren't all told, you know, hey, just in case you don't know, there's only one thing on the midterm elections that has anything to do with firearms. And it's in Washington State. And it's this. And it seems like, uh, I think what Woods just said, I think that if, uh, you know, we continue to, let's all think of that meme where there's a bunch of people on a rowboat and there's a hole in the one end of the rowboat and the people on that end of the rowboat are frantically bailing water, you know, and it's sinking, so it's going down. And the other end of the rowboat, if you're familiar with boats, is buoyancy is going to go up and the people on the end of the rowboat that are up out of the water are laughing at the people frantically bailing. You know, not realizing we're all in the same rowboat. So, you know, that same concept applies that if everyone got to bailing, doesn't matter where the hole is, you know, you, the effort out, out uh, outweighs the amount of water that can trickle in. We realize this effort, this, you know, freedom and liberty is an eternal struggle, requires eternal vigilance. I, I remember one of the sayings. And we realize that this is an effort that we not only have to acknowledge is going to become you know it's a consistent effort but it's something we need to teach other generations is something that needs to be uh you know dealt with and and monitored then this is an excellent uh, it was an excellent opportunity for us all to get together and put the voice of 300 something well let's be realistic 10 million gun owners that are active and aware you know 10 million gun owners uh, use their voices in Washington state, not only would it have prevented that crazy legislation that went through, it would have prevented it not only from going through, but it would have echoed to the political strategists that are deciding what to do next. And we already know what they do. As soon as they win in Nevada, in Washington state, they do the exact same thing in Oregon and it works. And now they push the same stuff in Nevada and it seems to have worked. We, we you know, we're going to be talking about Arizona's state of the state today we just turned a little bit bluer and they've already tried pushing things towards arizona the bluer we get the more likely it's going to work here once they have the entire west coast it's a lot easier to push that legislation through so you know we're not talking about uh worst case scenarios we're not talking about you know potentials we're talking about what's already been happening with universal background checks and uh other things actually so um we dropped the ball i think that we dropped the ball big time we had an opportunity like i say to not just uh stop the legislation there but have an actual accomplishment that the whole country put up could have put effort to then we could have taken that same momentum and focused it on california these are states that rely on tourism they're states that rely on trade we have influence. We're capitalists. We're members of a democracy, a democratic republic. So we have 
even though we don't live in these states, we have influence. And I think we have an obligation to help each other as well. Well, I think, too, I remember when you were at the the gun rights policy conference and you made this, you were talking about how a lot of the people that were there were radio and news, um, you know, uh, print uh, media and how they kind of didn't think very much of social media and, and things like, you know, little guys do like us. I think that's a real shame. And I think they're really missing out on um, people on. that can. Don't get persecuted. They didn't. They don't know who you are. They don't know who I am. They didn't like the platforms. They don't right. understand who's on the platform. So I don't think they understand who they were. They weren't saying of any specific people. They were just talking about the method of delivery, the means of communication were not valid. Right. Yeah. I, I think they underestimated the platform's usefulness. How's that? Is that a little, I think a little yeah, bit yeah. more of what I'm trying to, say. trying to say. Any specific person, but they were saying no. exactly what you said. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's what I meant. I, I think they underestimated the usefulness of the, you know, of YouTube and and places like gun channels and and gun streaming and all that kind of stuff to be able to to reach people. And and that was I, I that was kind of upsetting. I don't know. That was kind of a bummer to hear that they didn't really uh, take it seriously. Like I think they should. You know. Well, take the the specifics out of it, and you just talk about people communicating live. You know regularly and that could be daily weekly monthly depending on the individual and again if you take the details out of it who cares if it's a podcast or a radio show or what it is but the concept that people are talking regularly is something that um, I don't think they're aware of, right and the power of that you know they may not have seen it from our angle uh, the power mm -hmm. of that but the MA55 uh, with um, well, that was the big one, but, you know, to some extent, the 2013 as well. All right, so I've written some notes up, basically just retyped my notes so that uh, they're not uh, um, just sloppy because they made me write them in pencil, and I don't write with a pencil very often at all, more than just a few scribbles here and there. So having to write something decent was not easy for me, and it came out pretty crappy, so I just retyped it here. So uh, we've done this before, and we're going to do it again. I put a link out to um, Smeggy and Dano, who were both there, and uh, anybody who was listening live is welcome to uh, chime in, of course. But I'm just going to go through some of this stuff, and... Uh, Kind of like say in preparation for me talking to some of these people so i can have my uh you know get back on focus to what it was like two months ago what was going through my head so uh they asked a pretty simple questionnaire i'll go through the questions they asked what did you like about it what did you not like about it what would you like to see discussed next time and that was it those three questions so uh i wrote out basically two pages worth of stuff so what did you like about it i liked that they did it and i thank them for that I like that they have the potential, or I like the fact that they have the potential that they have there. I was impressed with uh, that it grew from last year. That has to do with the potential. And uh, they had a segment on Beyond the Choir, which I thought was pretty good. Um, and they said, what did you not like about it? And I was discouraged that it was the same exact people speaking this year that it was last year. 
and uh, I was discouraged that I did not get any kind of invite after attending last year. And only 16 people attended, so if they can't keep 16 you know, people straight, um, that's frustrating. And the fact that I was the only thing on YouTube at all about it means they probably didn't even search on YouTube to see who was aware of it. You know, they didn't do any kind of outreach or anything, so that was frustrating. Uh, lack of direction. Um, basically, they were there to... What we ended up doing was just listening to people describe their projects and what they had done historically for the Second Amendment. Like I said, that's what we heard last year. Uh, but what we didn't have is any kind of opportunity to network. Uh, there weren't any specific tech workshops. Uh, we weren't really, we were just sharing projects. And uh, I think we lost an opportunity to unite on our messages. Uh, what else did I not like about it? There was no time for Q&A. Uh, at all into the, what do you call like the, I put, uh, I didn't really put it in here, but more time for Q&A. I think they need to put that, you know, if someone's going to talk for 10 minutes, have them talk for three minutes and then have some Q&A. Uh, we're, we're all on at speed. We don't need to, you know, nobody's new in that room. So uh, we don't need to hear, you know, the baby crawling stuff. We need to, we're all running. So let's just get right to the questions and answers. Um, we weren't informed on what this year's 2A agendas are, what I just kind of touched on there. If we would have known that there was literally only one 2A thing going to be on the midterm elections, we could have all focused on that like lasers and potentially accomplished something if we focused all of it, you know, some deliberate amount of attention on making people aware of that. There's a heck of a lot of people that have some, you know, affiliation with the state of Washington family members there, businesses there, do business with businesses there. And there's all just so many different things and audiences, you know, that are there. Um, they did a lot of, I, I wrote in here, what I not like about it. I wrote, so sick of hearing how other people used to do things alone. We have an opportunity here to work together and change the old dynamics. So there was a lot of stories about how, you know, I lucked out and I did it this way or I didn't do it that way which is fine. I don't mind listening to people's failures because we all learn from mistakes. And ideally, we learn from others' mistakes so that we can all stand on each other's shoulders and get you know, taller, do, do more. But at the same time, if that's all we're hearing about is what didn't work, then we're not putting any effort because we only have limited time. We're, we hadn't put any effort into thinking about how we can change the way things are done. And if it doesn't work to have an individual, if an individual alone, for example, can't get the same reach that, you know, some larger individual can, then you don't give up. You just realize that there's 16 people with medium-sized reaches all saying the same message actually have a more effective reach than that one person with the larger audience. So I, I would like to see some, uh, some, some different you know, outside-the-box thinking on how we could have uh, set a goal and worked towards it instead of hearing about how things can't work or didn't work. Uh, everything that we did there, then my next thing that I did not like, this is a lot of effort with no resulting archive. There was nothing archived. There was nothing, there's no notes, nothing. No, like no official set of notes, no list of speakers. And if you know, it's, it's just a waste. We have a bunch of people there that their jobs are to to write about the industry. I think we could have at least had something written about who was there. And uh, if for no other reason than just to archive it for 
for the future. You know, if this turns into something that lasts for years and years and years, it'd be neat to see who was there and who was involved and and what the uh, results of each year's efforts were. Uh, then I complained again about having to write it on a piece of paper. Uh, the last question was, what would you like to see discussed next year? And I suggested that experts in the field, uh, that we had no video people there, no podcasters, no Photoshoppers, and kind of mean no uh, meme creators. There was no, they, they disregarded memes, which can be super effective. And by not including people who are in that realm, you're just, you know, you're limiting the reach that we get and the ability, you know, the resources that we've got. Uh, next, working together with real ideas. Uh, so I'd like to see us, you know, understand who each other are so that when you actually meet up, we can get work done that needs to have people together so that videos can be getting made so that um, you know, things can be done at a different level and real projects can be getting work done. Uh, getting our messages on point, that has to do with having the, the gun owners rights groups who might have overall agendas for the year, give us some insight to that so that we know, you know what, what we can focus our efforts on. And the other side of that would be, I didn't write it in here, but categorizing or listing what resources we offer those groups. So if there's a bunch of people showing up to a summit that are media creators, there should be a list, an inventory of the arsenal that's available to the Second Amendment and gun owners' rights groups when they need us. You know, they need to know this many bloggers are on your side, this many video people, this many podcasters. This many cameras can come into action. Approximately this size audience will hear that message. And again, assuming they don't abuse it, uh, that could be pretty powerful. Um, next is tech coaching resources. Uh, there was a, it was kind of a little bit sloppy with some people describing their tech situation, others trying to take us through step-by-step, step. Uh, others Kind of skimming over things that I'm sure other you know certain people weren't aware of. They're taking things for granted. So um, again, part of that would be once everybody knows each other, they wouldn't they'd be able to all speak at the same level of competence or whatever. But uh, because everything was sort of haphazard, the level of of discussion about tech was all over the place, from very basic to very you know, knowledgeable. And, uh, and some people were trying to explain and others were assuming that people already knew. And uh, I think a little bit of coordination there might make the overall messages be more effective if the tech stuff could be either removed or kept to, uh, I don't know, some sort of uh, established. I'm not sure if I'm explaining that right, but it got confusing to be listening to message, 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 you know, to a message, to a message, all of a sudden a bunch of tech information that was interesting but kind of just distracting and then it went back to two a message I guess I'm saying if there was some way to separate technical coaching from the Second Amendment advocacy portion of this con of this summit which is something that we have trouble with and that's why we do our technical stuff on Mondays on this show and Clover does his on Thursdays so that we can kind of keep the, the technical nerd stuff separate from the more uh, legal and political Second Amendment stuff. Uh, and then I put uh, last year, 
I guess this wasn't, I guess this is last year, uh, real objectives, uh, united goals. And I don't think our goals are to just meet each other at this thing. I think our goals should be way more lofty than that. And again, it should be since we're going to the, literally to meet with the organizations, uh, I think it was midnight came up with the idea of doing, uh, if this is going to be a one day conference, then fine, do it one day on Friday, but then have us all get together again on Sunday. I think it was Patriot, actually, Midnight, trying to take credit for Patriot stuff. Uh, get us together back on Sunday. After the organizations have given their messages and their directions and their suggestions, and let all the media people get on point so that when we leave there, we have you know, specific hashtags we're using to get the messages out there, uh, you know, united, and uh, have objectives, have goals that we can all work towards with all our different, you know, creative ways. Uh, then it asked who was our favorite speakers and other things. It says what they could do better. I won't get into the favorite speakers since you guys didn't listen. It would be pointless. Uh, but they were uh, some insightful stuff. Uh, it would be great if they would have recorded this that I could point you in the direction to listen to them. Uh, but what could they do better last year? We'll conclude with that. Uh, include people of all media people of all media. I already mentioned that they only had really writers there. Uh, offer insight or comments on the agenda. There wasn't really except for this feedback form, and I think there could have been um, some insight ahead of time to let people know what they're interested in, what they're lacking, what they want to spend money and show up at a conference like this instead of uh, trying to assume what people are all going to want. If they know how many people are going to show up, ask them what they want so that we all can have some, you know, make it as, as useful as possible. Someone says, I don't care. That's fine. But if someone says, I need help with XYZ, then be sure to include XYZ. Don't let that person show up and walk away without, you know, getting some info when there was six experts there. And we ended up talking about something pointless. Um, so I guess... Uh, um, so get some uh, feedback, I guess, back and forth. And then uh, the next one was offer time with 2A activists, offers, and researchers. The, those people are there, the, the pillars of our, of our community, the people that do the research, John Lott, people that write the papers, the Knox brothers, um, the activists, you know, Alan Gottlieb, somebody who started when he was 26 years old, decided, yeah, screw this. We should have an organization that's more uh, active than than the ILA, NRA, ILA thing. And 33 years later, we're going to his gun rights policy conference, and I'm sitting here on the internet pitching about how it wasn't perfect. So those people are there. Bring them downstairs and let us, the media, talk to them. Make arrangements to have interviews and stuff. Don't have us all in the same freaking town once a year and then keep us separate. There's no point. Um, and then why does this only happen once a year? It's ridiculous. We do this every single night. There's an Every Second Matters every single month. There's an internet available every moment of every single day. Everybody's got phones. This could be happening more often. When it happens electronically, it gets archived and more people can be aware of it and participate and the reach can be larger. So it just seems like, unless this is supposed to be secret, um, this would be you know, more effective when it's public. And that was what I had. So uh, I don't know if everybody was following through with that, but we're welcome to jump in on that. And nothing else would help me to kind of, like I say, get my head back in the game for 
I think one of the things like that's one of the things really important is you're talking about not having a <clears throat> a record of it. There's no video. There's no video on the internet or anything for somebody to watch this. And th I think that's really important because you talk about Alan Gottlieb and being so young and deciding like you know he's gonna he's gonna do something and he's gonna form you know this organization. Um, if you don't have a record of this nobody's ever going to stumble upon it and possibly be motivated to do something. That's really important. It's really important for things to be out there so that maybe some random person that's, that is, you know, stumbles upon somebody's speech and it inspires them to do something in their own state or their own town, or even inspires them to start thinking about the second amendment as, as something that is important when maybe they didn't, never thought about it as being important. You know, um, I think that's a, I think that is a, a big, um, misfire on their, on their part for sure to not have it out there on the internet, at least somewhere, at least on a website, you know, that you could point somebody to towards. And if it is some kind of big secret, then make it available to, you know, for your eyes only to the people that are in the thing, because, you know, why should they be penalized just because they weren't there or they couldn't get there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think they really missed out on that because yeah, I mean, yeah, people being there and, and getting it secondhand or getting it bits and pieces doesn't do it justice. doesn't do the speakers justice. And honestly, if you go to an event, um, you know, like a John Lott or somebody like that, somebody that's kind of a big shot in the, you know, in the second amendment or whatever you want to call them. Um, if they go to an event and they feel like it's not handled well, if they don't think it's promoted well, and if they don't think it's effective, they're not going to do it again. And the worst thing that somebody can do is have an event and do it poorly because it doesn't do anybody any good. Um, you see that in my industry a lot, you know, people will throw events and they, they half-ass it. And the people that attend the event, then they're not impressed. Why would they call you to do your wedding or to cater your event when you half-assed an event that they were at? That's, that's an yeah. awesome point. I'm super glad you brought that up. And let me make it super clear. I'm being ultimately critical here because I'm a spaz and I want us to be at 100 miles an hour and we're somewhere around 35 right now. They're doing very good. The fact that it even exists is phenomenal. The fact that it happened two years in a row is awesome. And no one walked away except for me being a grouch about it. Like I just, I'd like to see us go a lot further only because of like that couple of things, like that comment that was not made as a joke, but was a literal question or it was an exclamation, I guess. Do you mean people can watch videos on their phones? Like, these people did not understand that, and that got me going. And like I say, I'd rather be, uh, you know, talking about how we can get rid of the NFA today instead of how we can be working together more effectively, only because I've been trying to get people to work together for a long time. But I don't think the event, anybody walked away from the event going, oh, that wasn't everything it could be. I think most people really enjoyed it, and we all appreciated the fact that it was even thing and that it happened at the place with the gun rights policy conference was awesome but um 
I'm also hoping that six years from now it doesn't turn into exactly what you're saying. People are getting frustrated because it's you know, not. Yeah, I think if if people could walk away from it, and you know, you look at some of the the guys that have been in in media for years, and they might be writing for a magazine or something like that. If if they can meet somebody um, sort of like you, and they it can open up their eyes to the effectiveness of social media. Um, or memes. I mean, like you talk about memes, there's so many times where you see something, you're like, what the hell are they talking about? And you research it for yourself. That makes mm -hmm. it hugely effective. You're like, you know, hugely effective. And now you're doing your own research and that brings you into something else and something else and something else. Um, you know, if, if one of those older guys in the industry, um, can walk away and go back to their office or whatever and talk to their buddies and be like, you know what? I was there and I was talking to so-and-so and you know what? That's a really amazing thing that these guys are doing out there that can open up their, their mind and their world to, to a whole new side of it. You know, I think it's important. All right. So Sarge jumped in and Feel free to jump in anytime if you got something to throw in. Um, say, so unfortunately, I can't throw much in about about that topic. I, I was just listening, trying to learn. Right now, so, I have a I have a question, G. Okay. Um, it being I'm you know, as an educator, I go to these kind of conferences all the time. And is there any way they could have breakout sessions to where the things that you were saying, where people don't have the same basis of knowledge, where they could learn some of those skills? Or is it not set up to where I could really do that? Okay, so basically the Gun Rights Policy Conference is in its 30, it'll be the 34th year in Phoenix next year. So it, every year it's in a different city and it alternates between gun-friendly and not-friendly cities. So it's not in one place each year, in other words. The, the 2A media workshop that we're talking about tonight is, is in its second year. So next year it'll be its third year. And it's been the Friday before for the last for this year and last year. And it's put together by some podcasters and whatnot. So being that it's one day and it's from like eight to let's say three or something or five or something, you know, it's a normal session of like business hours. Um, and literally in the same facility as the gun rights policy conference. So there's a little bit of like, you know, behind the scenes stuff happening as people are setting up the stage and getting their mic checks and things set up for the thing that's about to happen Saturday and Sundays. So it doesn't really set, it's not conducive to have in, you know, extra rooms and satellite sessions. And it's only the one eight hour session. So, if, you know, it, it, it's not large enough. I think 24 people showed up this time, 32. Last year it was. 18 or 12 so it's not a scale that you know there'd be like dozens and dozens of people and six or eight people could break out and talk about something however one of my things is we have the internet we have 365 other days 364 to 65 other days right so number one nobody should be uh, at a loss for any kind of tech like tech is something that we could all accomplish and all learn really quick if we all put our minds to it if everyone who knows stuff put out a couple of how-to videos and everybody who's learning watched a couple then 
had a couple of meets where we got together and answered and asked questions, we would all be up to speed on all tech. Like that's that's an easy thing. So that could definitely be accomplished with the existing tech out there. Uh, all different kinds of uh, medias and methods that these people are already experts at. Just takes a little bit of deliberate effort to say, hey, on uh, the third Thursday of every month, everybody explain what you do. And then that way, if I want to learn how to podcast, I know some 2A podcasters who on a, every regular basis will uh, explain to me how to podcast. And I know that, you know, once in a while I can get together with them and ask questions. So the tech part of it, I think, should be removed completely. As far as strategy and other kind of breakout sessions, that's where I think that by having something like an Every Second Matters type of a regular you know, meeting of the minds, that those sessions could be accomplished that way. You know, not remotely, but remotely in time. And then the things, if, you, if everyone was getting together for like a monthly session like this, remotely you know, comp, uh, facilitated through the internet, uh, things are going to happen like, oh, well, we need to get together to sign something or we need to blah, blah, blah. We need to get together for a picture, whatever it might be where you have to physically get together. That just gets added to the list of what you actually have to do when you're together. And then that time that you're together becomes ultimately effective. If you get together, you sign your thing, you get your pictures, you do this and that. And the other thing that you need to be together for, bam, it's super effective. And then the next year, you're just standing on the shoulders of what you did last year and new people are joining and you know things are being established and now the the events take on a whole nother level so i think that's a great question i just don't think you need to do them there you do those breakouts throughout the year and then the the, the best part about doing them remotely or uh through the internet like that is they become archived and now let's say one of the breakout sessions was how do you get a podcast syndicated well, just like Clover's Thursday shows or our Monday shows or when we do the workshops on their, uh, you know, our projects on uh, Minuteman University. If someone had a question and you answer it, it gets put on the Internet. So the next 10 people who have that question at least have that option to find that answer. Mm -hmm. All right. So... Um, Pete, on the gun channel side is asking how can individuals be more effective? What do you guys think? I mean, I think by doing, just being part of the community is how we can be ultimately effective, but I don't know how to be a superstar. I think I think telling your individual stories are are important. Letting people know that, <clears throat> you know, uh, why you think um, your gun rights are important, how you got into maybe speaking up about it, maybe some of the, you know, the, the things that were hard for you. Um, you know, some people have family that's anti-gun and, and they're not, you know, that's, it's, it's, I think it's important for some people to hear others um, stories about what they went through because it motivates you to maybe speak up a little bit. Um, that's kind of how it happened with me, you know, um, so feel making your building your confidence, you know, building people's confidence is is important, you know, letting them know that they can they can speak up and speak their mind without uh, repercussions. Maybe we we all can do a lot, even on the local level, just like you said, with our family and friends, because they may be anti gun, we may be pro gun. And if we can 
conduct ourselves well and be a good representative of the 2A community, you'd be surprised how many minds you could change, you know, because I think I've gotten a little bit of that by getting in here because I, I work both sides of it. Yes, I am very pro 2A, but I've also had to enforce laws that some people may or may not agree with on here, but it is what I have to do sometimes. But I, I ultimately, I'm doing this because I'm a, I'm a 2A supporter. This is the whole reason I do any of this. So I think we all can be good representatives on, a, on our own scale. Uh, to add to that, I think we can also make sure that when we're having discussions with people, we're not having a debate because there's tons of there's tons of non-gunners is what I'm going to call them. Guns aren't part of their life. But, you know, they're they, they're not they're they don't feel as passionately as we do. So making sure that we're being really respectful in the way we talk about it and um, trying to lead more of a discussion and ask questions and being willing to hear their side of it, not just getting into our rhetoric and making sure that we're talking about it as opposed to, I try to always, like I was saying earlier, try to say, I give them, I make a point, they make a counterpoint and then I'll make a point back and then I'm done. That's it. I don't want to talk about it. Well, I won't, I'll try not to talk about it anymore because you don't want to have a debate. You just want to have a discussion. And those are very different things. It's okay to debate as long as, like you said, you keep it professional and respectful. It's okay to debate. I don't think you actually change anybody's opinion in a debate. You, you know, you may not change their opinion, but you may change just the way they look at things. And just, and you, and, and like us, we may change the reason, well, why do they feel that way? I may not be able to change what they feel, but maybe if I understand why they feel that way, I better understand them and maybe something I do later will affect them a little bit more. I don't know. I think we kind of agree. I think we're to probably have a difference, a difference in the word debate. Yeah. It's vocabulary. Yeah, I think we agree. I think you're both agreeing, but I think um, it's two different types of conversation, right? So everyone, like when we were at that March, because people were angry about Trump and they were at that thing in Phoenix and we watched that kid with the uh, guns aren't the problem change my mind. Um, that was that wasn't the time to have like a conversation and blah, blah, blah. That was a time for debate because it was loud and noisy and it wasn't going to last very long. And uh, bullet points are, were more effective in that set and setting. However, at a dinner table, bullet points make you look like an idiot. And I think that's what Woods is saying, right? So that's where you want to have some finesse and some ability to actually have a conversation with somebody and, and ideally, with both of you guys were saying a, a better knowledge of the um, the whole thing so that you can you can kind of direct the conversation or direct the points so that the person reflects on their their inconsistencies and their logic or whatever it happens to be right like so that you're in command of the conversation either way but a debate is like a tennis match if you can hold your own in the debate so that they throw up a point out there and you're not struggling, but you're able to confidently give them a rebuttal, then that makes your position, your side look more confident. You know, everybody on your side look more solid. And like, like Sergeant was saying, it makes the, the spectators and the person who's on the other side have to take a point and they're going to, you know, they don't want to fall into that next time. So they're going to go research and try to figure out what the, 
you know, if we're talking about gun-free school zones or if we're talking about you know background checks or whatever it might be and we come up with a valid point that they don't have a response to that that's gonna if they're truly into it they're gonna have to go research that and hopefully find out that gun-free school zones are bullshit right think pink panther brought up a good point he said you you may not change their their mind right then and there but they may think about it go home do a little more research you know and and it, you may actually change your mind a little bit later as they think about it more so that's a pretty good point that he brought up so roll call oh he's in here so roll call throw what you're talking about there in your gun channels comment Well, I mean, I when when I got there, there was a little bit of dysfunction. All right, uh, no kind of direction. Uh, nobody told me where to go get my uh, my credentials. They're just like go down there. It's, that was it. There's no direction. No, hello, how are you doing? Are you here for this conference? Uh, it was actually somebody from the hotel direct me there it wasn't when when i finally got there somebody was like oh hi how, how are you it wasn't like that uh, there was not i i liked some of the concept of it of where they talked and they explained some kind of situations that were going on in other states i i get that but there was no really hardcore look this is this is what we have to do this is how we have to maintain the status uh, of pushing the Second Amendment forward. There was none of that. It was like when the NRA lady came up there, she's like, oh, we're doing Eddie the Eagle. We're going to throw this in the school. We're going to try and put this in the school. Talking about her programs, not really talking about uh, the state of the 2A and, and, and how to strengthen it. No, America, Mr. Pratt did. Uh, he talked about it a little bit, which was comforting, and he, he gave us uh, the lowdown on HR fifty eighty seven and how they're they're trying to rewrite that, and I, I jotted that down in my little booklet that I was writing in. Uh, that was helpful, but a lot of the other things weren't so much helpful. Uh, talking to people there was hard. I mean. There was only in between breaks where you could really go and talk to people. That's where I talked to uh, gun owners of America and I signed up for my membership and then I started to ask them questions. But then, you know, they hurry up and hurdle you back into the room. So sitting down and talking to people, I think needs needs to be a little bit more uh, interactive on that on that level. Um, there, there's just certain things I liked about it, certain things I did not like about it. And I think it, nothing's perfect, but just having it once a year, I think it should be twice a year. I think some of the layout should be a little bit different. Um, that was my first one. You've been to a bunch, G, I know that. And some other people have gone to it. But my first impressions of it, it was a little bit disorganized. I mean, yeah, I like to go buy some patches and some stickers but i'd also like to talk to people i would like to talk to the adam gottliebs of the world uh, i would like to have another firmer conversation uh with eric pratt 
from Gun Owners of America. Um, the, the one lady that was doing the stuff for Gun Owners of America, she was just on the Hank Strain show. Uh, I'd like to talk to her a little bit more. The Chicken Texas? Yeah, the Chicken Texas. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know I'd, I'd like to talk to these people and, and try and gather uh, what they're what they're doing, but also how they feel about this situation. Come up with a plan so when stuff like what happens in Washington, Florida, and up up in New York and all those states, how we can prevent that from spreading, and how we combat that. And there wasn't a whole lot of that at the conference. It was more like this is my project. This is what we want to do. Hi, I'm from so and so group. Uh, we're from. One, where was that one? It might have been Minnesota, and we're here for our two A rights and walk off the stage. Uh, I think the one lady from Chicago had a huge, had a huge uh, uh, speech about all the all the stuff that goes on in Chicago. I think she, yeah, uh, I think she might she might have been one that put everything in depth. I just think it could be a little bit more constructive. Uh, it could be constructed a little bit more better than than what it was, but all in all, I was happy to be there. I think you brought up great points. So now, roll call. I didn't really introduce you, good. You're from Indiana. You drove up there and uh, attended uh, the the gun rights policy conference. So we we were talking about the two A media thing originally there, but you're you got great points. The conference is at a hotel always. At least I think it's always at a hotel. So that means, you know, conference room at a hotel. This time it was at some hotel by O'Hare Airport, one of the biggest airports in the country, if not the world. So big ass hotel, lots of conference rooms. I know because when I was looking for it the first day, when I was looking for that that uh, media thing, it was impossible. I woke, I drove, I walked all the way down some wing that went past like five different uh, conference rooms with doctor seminars going on for all different kinds of doctor stuff. And yeah, it was a real pain. The like crazy electric maps bullshit they had there was worthless. So you're basically up to the whim of like, if it's a good hotel employee or not, who actually knows where the different conferences are that particular day. And from my experience in three days, those conferences weren't the same. So it's gotta be chaos in those big hotels with conferences coming and going. And I can't imagine how many employees actually keep track, you know, of which ones are which. And if you happen to get one of those employees. So, yeah, you're definitely at the whim of the the physical limitations of the hotel or whatever to begin with. But then when you finally find the area where the conference is, you're right. There's like absolutely nothing. There was like a little table. And if you have gone year after year, you know that there's to look for that table where you can get your badge. But there's certainly no like like you're saying, greeters, welcomers, which how much does that cost to have somebody stand there and welcome people who look like they don't know where it's going on? So it would be a thousand times better that way. And then, uh, um, like you're saying, the conference, I don't know how to make the conference any better. It's dry. You know, they're talking. I don't think they should all have PowerPoints and big, you know, lights and laser shows or anything. But, um, they could certainly open up that front area to be twice as big and staff those tables. Those tables, like you say, when they herded everybody into the room to listen to the speeches and stuff, those tables were abandoned. Like they literally just left the table sitting there. 
So even if you went out to go to the bathroom or just didn't want to hear, you know, the same speech from the same guy year after year after year, which unfortunately does happen a couple of times, not enough that I'm going to complain, but it does happen with a couple of the speakers. They just tell us the same thing every year. So I usually leave, you know, and uh, there was nobody at those tables to talk to if you did that. So it would be cool if they would have left the outside as like, hey, you want to kind of test the gun rights policy conference? You're not sure if you're into this? Well, no matter what time of day you come, you're going to be able to go to this outside area and, like you're saying, have a conversation with anybody who's represented there and maybe even make that bigger. Like I say, have more people represented there because there was only maybe, what, 12 tables, 18 tables at the most. Exactly. I mean, all they had to do is give me a don't tread on me sticker and I would have stood right there by the ropes and shook everybody's hand. I mean, come on! It's it's not that hard uh, to 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 coordinate that that little aspect of the show. Um, another thing that was kind of I don't know. There there wasn't a lot of communication with like when I tried to talk to other people that were there. They just seemed to be like I, I don't know if it's because the way I was dressed. I mean, but you know, trying to just reciprocate with other people. I mean, there was a couple uh, folks there that I was, I would talk to, but uh, be more friendly. That's what, if, if it ever comes back in my area or I got a chance to go uh, where it might be a tad bit closer, I can uh, be a little bit more friendly, start a conversation and not directly end that conversation, but carry that com co conversation throughout the whole, the whole conference and, and make, good connections with people and make people aware that social media is going to play a role in society from here on out. We are not going to change this and that's how it's going to be. And I think that's one of the more important things and aspects uh, of fighting for our two, two, two a rights is to get on social media and to uh, really push this issue and not let it fall back. I, I've been accused of it, but keep the the 2A movement in the forefront and continue to fight for it. So, there you go. I think what would be cool is, you know how, um, I don't remember where, was it an NRA show or someplace where all the YouTube celebrities got together and sat at a big long table? And then I guess people could ask them questions, right? And then they would answer the questions. If they did that with, uh, you know, movers and shakers, and had maybe an hour of that and have the microphone set up and let people come up or have prepared something. Uh, probably the microphones would be more organic. And then, um, you know, let let it just be sort of a Q&A for a bit. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think question and answer or interaction with the audience is a huge part of it. It could really help because it can really get the energy level up too and have people um, interacting with each other in the audience and with people in the stage or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that's a, that was another thing when you mentioned that they didn't have anything like that. I thought that was something that they really missed out on. Yeah. Um, we already talked about it uh, when we were talking about this last time, but additionally having a pit. So an area up front that's a that has a feed coming in from the board so that podcasters who are interested in rebroadcasting and simulcasting the, the event uh, can do so. So that it gets as much reach as possible and it gets as much uh, 
you know, different talent rebroadcasting that message. I, I agree. I mean, uh, there was po people doing podcasts there. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was, it was outside the ropes and they had a little guy making podcasts, but that was only after it. Uh, I don't know if you could want, if you, if they want to do it during it, but just to keep some kind of aspect, like how you were doing G you were broadcasting it right there. If you were on YouTube, uh, or listening on gun channels, you, you knew what was going on and it just seemed like you were the only one doing it. Everything else was after the fact. I well, think if behind the scenes, they, I asked them and they were doing it on Facebook and they were doing it on Facebook because they said that's the biggest reach they had. So what are you going to do? So I was rogue casting it. I just did it anyway. I didn't ask. I just did it. And it was shitty because it was just the microphone from this laptop sitting in the chair in the back of the room. But, uh, like you say, it got the information out. Um, in previous years, they actually been kind of, what's the word, territorial about it. I don't know. They, everybody has different in, uh, ways to interpret how the Internet works. And I guess they considered having multiple sources to listen, conflicting, and somehow would be, you know, a conflict. So they'd been territorial about it, and I don't know if that's an issue or not anymore. So I decided not to ask and just do it. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to have any luck pursuing that concept of having multiple, you know, streams of it going out there. But well, we'll see. Uh, the ones out front, though, were podcasters I guess knew about it ahead of time and were able to make arrangements with the hotel I imagine to get those tables out there and set up their podcasts and everything with like the elaborate setups and all that backdrops and all the uh, uh, which I say you know equipment and everything uh, and another thing like after after the conference the dinner like, I didn't see a whole lot of the speakers down there that were kind of congregating with the people that stayed for dinner. I think that that's another excellent opportunity to talk to people. I mean, I, I don't want to when I find when I find the movers and shakers, I don't want to smother them. But I would like to ask some questions then. I mean, it's a relaxed environment. There's drinks available. There's good food, uh, yogurt that I couldn't get my hands on. But that's another great opportunity to, to talk to people and, and form relationships. Like I stood in line with Kevin Dixie and I asked him all kinds of questions. And he was he was more more inclined to talk uh, at that point. So that's another good good option uh, for that for that type of atmosphere.
All right. Well, so I think we've been going for about an hour ish, and you had a good point about the yogurt. Um, whatever happens, that little tiny dessert yogurt can never come back again. That was a waste of time. So, what are they? Did you see what we're talking about? Pancakes. What do you mean? So, like uh, Roka was saying, at night they, I think it was the USCCA sponsored, at least one night, the USCCA sponsored the meet and greet or whatever you want to call oh, it, like yeah. food at the end. Did you see the pictures mm -hmm. of the food? No, I didn't. All right, we're going to go grab one. <clears throat> Did they, was, it, was it intended to be like a, like a, like a mixer kind of yeah. thing with dinner? Or Oh, that's cool little finger food type of stuff i mean enough food to eat it was it was definitely right. enough food to be to eat a meal and be satisfied right and there was usually food getting carted away like nobody ate like everybody did not eat all the food yeah uh but also just little stuff nibbly type of food you know it wasn't mm -hmm. like uh big giant well i guess it was really full-size plates what am i saying yeah i had uh, prime rib okay here we go so here's my Instagram from that day. So this is the dessert. This little plastic shot glass made out of like a square shot glass, except a little like smaller. A, like a mousse, like a mousseline or something? Well, the plastic thing I'm talking. So they, they mm -hmm. the time plastic things I'm sure got thrown away. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, squirted some like Cool Whip with like blueberry stuff spritted in it. And then stuck a blueberry on top. And then they gave you a fork. So there's no way at all <laughs> anything out of here. You can get a majority of it out of there, but you're leaving a bunch of it behind. And you're getting like a forkful, maybe. Forkful and like a little bit more. And then what are you licking in this thing? So <laughs> this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen for desserts, ever. Let me show you the plate of them or what they look like. There you go. Yeah. That color, and then this gross one that I don't know if anybody ate. It was snot with a piece of cookie and strawberry on it. Uh, like some sort of strawberry shortcake kind of thing, sort no. of wannabe. No, it's like snot. Some kind of jello <laughs> with a piece of cookie. No, <laughs> this. It was just gross. And then I didn't eat one, but it just you could tell by looking at it, it wasn't good. And then this was, like you just said, a bunch of foam. So yeah, that has to go. That's that's not so good. I'll put that in my notes as well. <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll dig into the rest of the show here. Uh, we we're gonna say state of the state of Arizona. I'm no expert, but we just got you know we went a little bit bluer. So uh, I think we're some kind of you know Arizona's the pillar of gun rights it's, you know we're temp temporary like everything uh old people that moved out here and were republican or conservative die and they don't get replaced by you know their kids because their kids are some other state they came out here to retire and die so as those people are gone that you know generation of people that are you know able to retire and die like that uh this will become more kept more and more like california so uh Anyway, that's the state of Arizona. Um, we're going to talk about a gun shop today, uh, one that is no longer there called West of the Pecos, a uh, little gun shop here in Tucson. 
And if Enrique is watching, he knows what I'm talking about. I doubt anybody else does, unless you remember watching videos from my channel a long, long time ago. So um, we do this show every single day so that we have an opportunity, a platform to feature a gun shop every day. I do that because I'm a big fan of gun shops. One of the reasons I'm a big fan of gun shops is because of West of the Pecos. It was a house at one time, and then I don't even know the whole story, but at some point it obviously became a gun shop. So their front yard became a drive or a parking lot, and they're just beginning the store kind of transformed into a gun shop. So you'd walk in what was probably the living room or something, and that was, you know, the pistols and holsters and ammo and stuff. And then you went into it was probably the kitchen was their cash register area. And then what would have been the bedrooms, one of them was like a storage room, and the other was uh, rifles and shotguns and stuff. And it was literally floor to ceiling. Like there wasn't stuff hanging from the ceilings, like sometimes a surplus store will do, but there was pegboard and hooks and stuff all over the walls and there was literally stuff from floor to ceiling and this place had to be around since the 60s so there was scope rings and weird stuff that you know accessories for guns that had come and gone a long time ago uh, probably parts and and things that somebody had ordered and they just stuck on a shelf so for just having something to do on like a saturday afternoon if you're off work on a wednesday and you're farting around the gun shops uh, they were the kind of guys that would have something they're doing always behind the counter and they didn't bug you too bad. If you needed something, they'd point you right to where it was because they knew literally where everything was. This was before the Internet. Uh, they closed down kind of right when the Internet was starting up. So, uh, you know, it was the kind of shop where if you needed a scope ring or a part or something and somebody at the range said, you know, try to find this, that's the kind of shop you go to to, to start your search. And uh, just a neat little shop. And eventually they went out of business. I think the owner, something happened in his personal life or he died, I forget. And the shop sold and then it turned into another shop. And now it's Psionics, Psionics Weapon Systems. If you've ever heard of those rifles, uh, they're there now. But uh, just a neat little shop, kind of like I say, it was a house. So it's just in the middle of a, uh, uh, which I say residential area, uh, but a bunch of these houses on the street kind of turned into to stores. So it's, you know, next to, uh, place that sells boots and it's only about three houses down or three uh, businesses down from one of the bigger gun shops in town. So it's sort of a shop that was on everybody's uh, path. If you, if you were going to go uh, troll the gun shops, you'd uh, hit those two and there was two others that were close by. So pretty much everybody in town would, would step in there for at least a little bit every you know, a few days or every, you know, so often when you go, to, you know, check out the gun shops. And because of that, the guys knew everybody in town, all the shooters, all the collectors. And, uh, you know, it's kind of neat thing that uh, gun shops are unique for. Websites can let us all get together from all over the country, all over the world even. Uh, but there's something special about being able to uh, keep track of who's in an area, you know, physically. And in Tucson, at least, it was uh, kind of a cool shop to have. Like I said, there's a lot of people in Tucson doing a lot of things, and that shop was a little bit of everything, and and uh, just good dudes. So I don't know if anybody knows a shop like that, but that's part of the reason we do this show, is to keep those kind of uh, stories going. If you have stories of shops like that or something else, let us know. Our email is dailygunshow at gmail.com. And again, our goal is to talk about a different gun shop every single day. 
So we're more than happy if you want to send us a description of a shop or jump in on the show and, and tell us about your shop or a shop that used to be cool, then uh, let us know. Um, anybody want to say anything before we keep going? All right, dead air, boring. Let's keep going. Last thing we'll talk about today then is our member of the day. <clears throat> Another reason we do this show on the daily so that we can feature a different member, somebody out there doing something. And today we're going to feature Mike uh, over at MW Tactical. Uh, we chat with Mac, Mike uh, quite a bit on the uh, Clover shows or on uh, Ghost shows. And uh, he's a cool dude. He hangs out with uh, Ken with uh, Black Man with a Gun. So he's got some pretty powerful podcasting roots and he still hangs out with Clover and Ghost and has a good time and creating content and getting out there and being part of the community. He's an old drill sergeant, so that's kind of cool. Being drill sergeant after the fact is always interesting for people who have been on the, you know, yelling end of those guys. Anyone? Anything in there about Mike? I don't know much about Mike. I've only been on, I've only really been on one or two panels with him. Um, I found it hard to believe that he was a drill sergeant. He seems like such a soft-spoken guy, you know. Um, I'd be interested. I'd love to see some videos of him going at it. <laughs> oh, you mean like Gunny? No, not all drill sergeants are like that. Mike is definitely a drill sergeant, you can tell. Uh, yeah. More of a, like massive awareness and knowledge set. And then, like, clarity and specificity, like, they're really good at, like, getting information across because they, you know, they're good at it. They do it for a while, and they do it with, like, ultimate, you know, consequences. Like, the stuff they're teaching dudes is, you know, literally life or death. Right, right. And the stuff they're learning or the stuff they're teaching is uh, pretty black and white for the most part, of course, with all the nuance of human beings. But anyway, so they, they get some pretty neat uh, stories and experiences. Um yeah, so if you haven't listened to the chats, they're neat. But then if you ever get a chance to jump into a chat that he's in, uh, we've had some really cool discussions off air just when Ghost and him get it going. It's uh, pretty neat. Yeah, he's a pretty cool dude. Uh, I've been on a couple chats with him. Very knowledgeable character. Uh, if you don't know, you need to go follow him on Instagram too. Uh, he posts a lot of stuff on Instagram. All right, well, with that, I guess we'll uh, wrap it up. If anybody wants to, uh, again, we're trying to keep these interactive, so throw out the state you're from. Uh, it's kind of interesting to see the kind of uh, reach that people will be listening to the show from. See Ashley out there from GunStreamer.com. Uh, anybody who's not familiar, uh, go check out GunStreamer.com. It's a place for Second Amendment or gun-related uh, video hosting. So... Uh, uh, I guess it's a place to post your stuff, but if you're just looking for stuff to watch, uh, it's very focused. So unlike YouTube or something where you're going to get a bunch of garbage and recommended stuff that's weird, uh, it's all, it might be weird, but it's all gun-related weird stuff at least. Otherwise, looks like a bunch of us are out there. Angelina's out there, Alan Anchor, um, over in California. If you're looking for the uh, patches or the stickers or the decals, and 
thinks out there. Did the woman say that she doesn't mind if Americans join the Taliban get elected in Arizona? Probably. So I don't know what she was saying when she said that, but that's definitely one of the political things that was going on here. I don't think any of them should be getting rewarded. Did you guys get a ton of paper in the mail this election cycle? Uh, it seems like more and more every time. Holy I hell. It's some always, but this time, wow. Like, wow, I can't imagine there's, I can't imagine. I don't know what somebody came into town and sold them on sending paper out. Wow, we got a lot of those really big paper things in the mail this time. Like that oh. cardstock stuff? Yeah, yeah. super yeah. expensive stuff to send, yeah. just yeah. huge and obnoxious and just every single day from the same person and different, not even the same mailing like over and over like it was some kind of error, like, oh, just a... Massive, massive, massive waste. And stick it in your door, too. Not even in the mail, but, like, st stuffed in the, the door jam, you know? Well, we don't get that. We're far, uh, like, there's not enough houses here to make that worth their while, but definitely in the mail. Uh, to the point where, like, the mail has to be full with, you know, just amazing amount of stuff. It's crazy. And I got that, a lot of that, too, Midnight. That stuff stuffed in my door every day. Oh, yeah. Every day. Booklets. I don't know if everybody gets them in two languages, but we get, you know, the thing that's maybe like size of a magazine, but it's all newspaper and it's like uh, just tiny writing and it's just everything. Every, I think it's everybody who decided to write a, a, a opinion piece on all the different ballot initiatives or whatever. So it's like they have to publish it or something and send it to everyone. So just that kind of stuff was also in there. Oh, just a massive. All right, well, that's enough of yelling about the mail. We're done. Thanks, everybody, for jumping in. We will uh, be back same time tomorrow. Wait, tomorrow. What is Wednesday? Uh, I'm going to be on the uh, Gun Freedom Radio podcast tomorrow, which is uh, Dan and Cheryl Todd out of uh, Phoenix. Uh, I don't know how they do it. And one of the reasons I want to be on their show is to learn how they are able to do all the, everything they do. They have an awesome, awesome, awesome gun show. They do auctions, I think, twice a month. Uh, Big-time auctions, cars and estates and stuff. And then they also do a uh, podcast weekly, two hours every Wednesday. And uh, like six, eight guests sometimes on the two-hour podcast. It's really amazing. And then on top of all that, they're not just, uh, um, well, they're activists. They go out, they go to places, they go to the uh, events like gun right policy, but also the um, curators thing. They went to some museum and uh, curators uh, workshops. They've been to uh, two A media workshops like the one we just talked about, but others. Uh, they're involved in uh, two A uh, media organizations. Uh, Cheryl's been involved with the uh, what is that thing called where the one woman from each state went to Washington, D.C. for some 2A? Uh, I can't remember what it was called. She was involved with uh, the Heller Decisions 10th anniversary thing. She's been on panels at the Gun Rights Policy Conference at the Arizona Citizens Defense League. So uh, really neat people. And I don't know how they keep it all organized, but I'm very uh, interested in finding out more about how they're able to do it all. And hopefully they'll share some of that with us in the future. But uh, that should be a fun show. And uh, she also is involved in running the um, 
Second Amendment media workshop that we've been talking about today. So hoping to bend her ear and give her some of my, uh, you know, insight to uh, to that project. And I'll let everybody know how it works out. I don't think it's live, so if you want to listen to that, uh, I'm going to be talking about the tour. And, uh, and I imagine it'll be available sometime tomorrow night. Otherwise, we'll be back here same time. And uh, thanks again, Sarge, jumping in. When is your next show? Saturday? Uh, we're on Thursday night this week, you know, two days and uh, from now at 9 p. East. Yeah, because I got to work days this weekend. So oh, okay, we'll get it done on Thursday night this week, 9 p. East. But thank you for the invite. You bet. Thanks for jumping in. Uh, at midnight. He do something sloppy on Sundays occasionally. He didn't bother showing up this week, right? Couldn't, pull it <laughs> no, off. I'd, couldn't make it. No, I'd, uh, I had some family stuff run late. So, yeah, we, I'll be back uh, next Sunday to embarrass myself and my friends. Right on. Uh, Woods, thanks for jumping in. And Brokaw, you got anything coming up? Uh, I got a show Wednesday night, Rants and Raves, with uh, our beloved Night Strike, uh, Jonas. And then I'll be, I won't have one uh, in two weeks. I'll be down in southern Indiana in Terre Haute. And I'm going to visit the folks at Top Guns. It's a giant uh, indoor range and shop. And then I'm going to go to the toy pit to pick up a Skeletor to, for my Panthor. That's what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> right on. Well, appreciate that. You've been doing awesome on the Instagram. Thanks for keeping the messages going. And uh, thanks, everybody, for showing up, being part of this uh, show. I've uh, got a Patreon thing coming up on Saturday, it looks like. And we did a workshop today. Nobody showed up for it. I've been doing uh, two-way workshops on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. and Saturdays at 3 p.m. So anybody that's got any questions about your 2A projects, uh, feel free to get some free consulting. If you're interested in helping people out, join in, and uh, let's work together to get messages out there. Guys and gals of GunWebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thanks for watching GunWebsites.com.